by almost any metric that you might choose to use, this past year has certainly been an unusual one. Of course, probably first on our minds would be this pandemic and all the things that have been involved in dealing with pandemic crazy. We've never seen anything like that before. And then, of course, there was all the commotion surrounding the presidential election last fall. Uh, Again, the kind of things happening that we have not ever experienced, very troubling in many ways. There's been, of course, almost a whole year of civil unrest, uh, rioting and looting and all kinds of terrible things going on in major cities across our country. A lot of bad things have happened. A lot of negative things have been going on this past year. And that makes this past year stand out as certainly unique and very unusual. But I'm thinking about a big positive thing that makes this year unique and special. We have here, among our own number, the, the biggest group of graduating students that I think we've ever had at College U. I cannot remember a year when we have had so many students graduating from various parts of their educational experience. This is a great milestone, and we, we commend you young people. It's a sign of maturity. It's, it's, it's a sort of a, a moving on to the next phase of life. It's an important time, a special time, and we, we congratulate you young people. Good job. We commend you highly for your accomplishments. But having said that, let us say that as you move into new phases of your life, those new phases of your life will be met with new challenges as well. These are difficult times in our present world. And as you face the future, you are definitely going to be in great need of courage. And so, uh uh-oh. What do we got going on there, Kyle? There we go. You're going to be in, in, in need of courage to face the times that are ahead. And so we want to talk about courage this morning. That's going to be our study from the Bible. We especially want to speak of the need for courage to our grads. But I think all of us need to be reminded about the courage needed to faithfully serve God. Think with me for a few minutes this morning about needed courage. We stop just briefly to say thank you to everyone who's here. We appreciate your presence very much. We're glad that we're able to be together on this Lord's Day. We've got visitors, as as James mentioned, and we're grateful for our visitors. We want you to come back just every time that you have a chance. Thanks for the encouragement that you provide to all the rest of us by virtue of being here today. What about courage? Well, the first observation we want to make is that courage is essential for Every servant of God. When you're buying a car, maybe you're not fortunate enough to be able to buy a new car, but let's say that you're shopping around for a used car. But either way, you understand that in searching for a car, there are some things that are optional. Uh, I like to have a radio in my car. And I know young people, especially like a sound system. You don't call it a radio anymore. It's a sound system. I, I like to have a sound system. And, you know, air conditioning is really nice. In, in the hot summer months uh, here, here in the Mid-South, it gets pretty humid and sticky. And, boy, it sure would be nice to have air conditioning. But, you know, you don't have to have a sound system or air conditioning. 
Those are optional things. You can still get from point A to point B without a sound system and without air conditioning. You might like it, but it's not absolutely necessary. It's optional. But there are some things that are totally necessary. This car you're searching for needs a windshield. If it doesn't have a windshield, you're not going to get very far. It needs wheels and tires. If you don't have wheels and tires of some sort, they don't have to be fancy aftermarket wheels, but you need wheels and tires. You're not going to go from point A to B without wheels and tires. What we're saying is some things are optional. Other things are absolutely essential. I want to tell you about courage. Courage in serving God is absolutely essential. It is not optional. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, the Lord spoke to Joshua as he was just assuming the leadership of Israel. Remember Moses had led the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage all through the wilderness wanderings. They're ready to cross over into the promised land. Moses now dies and Joshua is made the new leader of the people. A daunting challenge. He was certainly faced with a lot of things coming up that would be difficult to handle. And the Lord says to Joshua in chapter 1 verse 9, Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee. Be of good courage. Uh, Solomon needed that. And I want to suggest that we need that as well. As Solomon was facing great challenges, we face great challenges. Our young people face great challenges. It's not necessarily an easy road. And so we must approach the future with a strong, courageous heart. Just like Solomon needed that, we need it. I think we could go further and say the fact of the matter is the Lord does not have much use for people who lack moral courage. In the reading that Gavin did for us just earlier in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. You see that? Uh, if you are not going to be courageous, the Hebrew writer says, my soul shall have no pleasure in such a person. And so again, courage is not an optional thing. It's a necessary thing for us all. It's necessary for all of us who are older. But it's necessary for our young people as well. Be courageous in serving God. Now, what I'd like to do uh, is suggest to you that we can look to a number of great heroes of the Bible who displayed the kind of courage that we need. And so we can, we can learn by their example. For instance, Daniel was a man who was determined to worship. Now, you might think that this is not necessarily an act of courage to assemble for worship. Um, you know, when we came here this morning, there wasn't anybody who was hindering our assembly. There weren't anybody standing around with guns trying to prohibit us from entering the building. There weren't any rules out there saying you can't come. And so we weren't hindered in that way. Now, I'm of an opinion that it could come to that. Uh, I believe in the days ahead it might get so that we are actually hindered from coming together. Rules passed, in, uh, laws enacted. People really trying to keep us from work. That's not, we're not in that shape, not currently. It could happen. But I want to tell you what's a lot more likely to happen. The job you take, it could hinder you from worshiping. Friends that you have could try to keep you away from worship. Pleasurable activities that you enjoy engaging in 
could keep you from worship. It's going to take courage on your part, young people. It takes courage for all of us to say, no, I am going to worship my God. You remember how it happened with Daniel? Daniel was such a great person serving uh, the king uh, the king of uh, the Medes and Persians. Uh, Babylon had already been taken by the Medes and Persians when we get to Daniel chapter 6. And it says this Daniel was preferred among the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion or fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him then said the, these men, then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Isn't that an amazing thing? Daniel was such a good individual and he had his political enemies in the realm and they wanted to have something to accuse him about so that they could knock him out of his position of power and authority. But... They couldn't find anything. There, wasn't, there, he, there was no fault. That's pretty amazing when your enemies are looking for something to find against you and they can't find anything. That's the way it was with Daniel. And so they, they said, you know, the only way we're going to be able to get at him is put him in a dilemma between the law of the land and the law of his God. If we can cause a force, a contradiction there, get it. What they knew is that Daniel would be faithful to his God, even if that meant disobeying the law of the land. They knew that. He had such a reputation. They knew that about him. And so they, they persuaded the king uh, to enact a law uh, that for a set time, you could only pray to the king. You couldn't pray to any god or gods. You had to pray to the king. And in chapter 6, verse 10, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem... He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Notice, as he had done aforetime. He didn't change his practice. These men had conspired to put a dilemma on him, a challenge, if you will. You're going to worship your God? You're going to be faithful to the king. You're going to stop worshiping God if we put this challenge before you? Not Daniel. He was determined. And so our question this morning is, do we have the courage to say, I will worship no matter what. I will worship. I don't care if there are school activities that try to keep me from doing so. I don't care if there's a work schedule that tries to prevent me from doing my duty. I don't care if it's friends who are asking me to do something other than that. I will worship my Lord. That's going to take courage. And we need that kind of courage. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, living in the same time, who were actually friends of Daniel, uh, took a stand against sin. You know, this is really a wicked world that we live in. And we have to take a courageous stand against all the moral evils that exist around us in general. I mean, there's a lot of evil and wickedness in the world, and, and we need to oppose that in general. Uh, but more urgently, we need to take a stand against even some of our own brethren who are compromising on moral issues. Will you be courageous, for instance, to take a stand and oppose dancing or immodesty or social drinking and 
we could continue to expand that list. These are the areas where I think we're really challenged in, uh, in this time. Because as I said, sadly, among churches of Christ, among some of our own brethren, even among preaching brethren, we find a lot of compromising taking place. Are you going to be courageous to take a stand against sin and for what is right? You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did that. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 15, now in this instance, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, this was before Babylon had fallen to the Medes and Persians, and so Nebuchadnezzar was still the king, and he constructed an image. Some people think it was the image that he had seen in his vision in the prior chapter. We're not, we don't, I don't think we necessarily know that for sure, but he had constructed a golden image. And, and so it was said, now, if you be ready and worship the image which I have made, well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast in the same hour into the midst of the fiery, burning fiery furnace. So an edict had been given that whenever you heard the sound of music, you would bow down and worship the idol that Nebuchadnezzar had constructed. It had been found out that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't doing that. And so they were warned, I'm going to give you another chance. If you, when you hear the music, if you fall down and worship the idol, okay, but if not, you're going to be thrown in the burning fire furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. We will not, they said. Are you impressed by that? I, I hope we all, I hope you young people are impressed. Here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were young men. I'm so impressed by the courage to stand up to the most, who absolutely at that time was the most powerful man in the world, and say, we will not do that. We will not worship your image. What strength and courage they showed. We need to be like them. We need to have that kind of courage. We're not going to face a burning fiery furnace. I'm, I'm quite sure of that. What we are going to face instead is maybe people making fun of us, ridiculing us, maybe people ostracizing us because we take firm stands on these kinds of moral issues. You're, you're a freak. You're a fanatic. You're an oddball if you're going to take these kind of positions. If you won't compromise with us on these kinds of things, then we're going to exclude you. You're not going to be able to be in our crowd. What are you going to do when that sort of thing happens? I tell you, you've got to stand. You've got to have courage like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Joseph showed courage in resisting temptation. Um, you're going to be tempted. Young people, are you going to face temptation? All the rest of us, you're going to face temptation? We know that the answer is absolutely yes. Of course you're going to face temptation. And it's not going to be just tempted every once in a while. It's going to be that you're going to be tempted all the time, every day. How will you do when you're, tempted with temp- when you're tested with temptation? Are you going to cave in? Are you, are you going to give in and go ahead and do what you're being tempted to do? Or are you going to courageously resist? Joseph, we know, was a great example of resisting temptation. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 7, Potiphar's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, Lie with me. But he refused. 
And his answer was, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the, in, in to do his, uh, into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. This is an incredible story. You know it well. Joseph is a tremendous example of one resisting temptation. When it could have absolutely been in his personal advantage to engage in the sin that Potiphar's wife was tempting him to commit, he would not. He wanted to be faithful to God. He did not want to sin against God. Notice that was foremost in his thinking there. We need to imitate him. We're going to be tempted. We've been tempted in a whole lot of different ways. Young people, you may particularly be tempted in in regards to the kind of sin that Joseph was being tempted with here. How are you going to do when you're tested? You're going to have the kind of courage to say, I will not sin against God. Will you flee from that temptation? Get completely away from it. You know, one one of the problems we have in facing temptation is we allow ourselves to camp right next to it all the time. And that's, and, and that's a plan that's destined to fail. Get away from the temptation. Flee from the temptation. It was a courageous act on the part of Joseph to flee from temptation. He's a great example. David showed courage in battle. And he, and he said that his courage in facing the giant Goliath was because he trusted God. Uh, we know the story of David and Goliath. And someone says, well, how does that story relate to me? I'm not going to be called upon to go out on the battlefield against a giant. Well, true. But in a, in a very real sense, we are all engaged in a great battle. It's not a physical battle with armies arrayed against one another. It's spiritual warfare against our very powerful enemy, Satan. Look how David had the courage to face Goliath. And it's the same kind of courage we need in in our battle. David said to King Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him, Goliath. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Notice, you're young, you can't do it. You're too young. David said, Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Notice, his courage and strength was because he trusted in God. Would you say that David, that the odds against David succeeding were overwhelming? The odds against him were overwhelming. And yet he was victorious. He drew his strength and courage from God. What about us? What about you young people? I'm going to tell you, I think living in this modern world, there are tremendous odds working against us. That's just true. And we've pointed out a lot of times, I think that Satan has a whole new array of things that he can use to attack us. I think especially by virtue of the modern media. He has a a great capacity to tempt that he never had before. What are you going to do when you're faced with tremendous odds against you? Will you fight anyway? Will you trust in God for strength and courage in the battle that you're called to fight? David did. And 
and we can learn from his courage, his faith and trust in God. The powerful prophet Nathan courageously spoke out in condemning David's sin. Sadly, we don't just know the story of David and Goliath. We also know the story of David and Bathsheba, right? Which is a very sad note in that great king's life. It was Nathan's duty to confront King David about the horrible sin that he had committed uh, in, in the sin with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband Uriah the Hittite. Can you imagine the courage that it would have taken to go before King David and confront him about what he had done? In 2 Samuel chapter 12, we know that he was given that assignment. You go do this. The Lord said to Nathan, the Lord sent Nathan to David and he came to him and said to him, well, you remember, we've left out the story that he told about the man who had many sheep and this poor man had just one pet lamb and the rich man took the poor man's one lamb and slaughtered it to serve to his guests. And David was enraged by that story. How could anybody do such a thing? David's anger was greatly kindled against the man and said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to him, Thou art the man. Nathan said, No, I'm talking about you, David. I'm talking about what you have done. And, of course, David got the point. And, and to his credit... David acknowledged and confessed his sin. That's, that's another part of the story. I just want you to concentrate on what Nathan did. Can you imagine the courage to stand and speak out against this powerful king? It would have taken lots of courage. And again, we're not likely to stand before great kings or world leaders. That's, that's almost certainly not going to be the case. But... I do believe we'll we'll be called upon to stand against uh, sin and and, and we'll have to to stand in defense of what are becoming unpopular issues. For instance, on Wednesday nights, we're studying marriage, divorce, and remarriage. That's a tough doctrinal issue. Uh, uh, There's a lot of compromise in the religious world about that. Even again, sadly, among our own brethren, there's great compromise on the, on the important doctrinal issue of marriage, divorce, and marriage. Are you, are you going to cave in or are you going to stand? Are, are you, are you going to be courageous and say, no, this is the truth of God. And let the chips fall where they may be. This is the truth of God. Or maybe it's innovations to the work and the worship of the local church. Uh, again, sadly... A lot of innovations are taking place even among our own brethren. Are you going to be courageous enough to say, I'm not going along with that. That's not the authorized work of the church to provide entertainment or parties for the members and so forth. Okay, we, could, we could expand that list uh, tremendously. But our question to you is, are you going to be strong like the prophet Nathan to speak out uh, and condemn sin, even among powerful people? Well, uh, you, you see there a number of examples uh, of people who showed courage. And we could expand that list, but those, those are some pretty significant Bible heroes right there who had the courage to do what had to be done in the moment. And I'm challenging us all 
to do that as well. Real quickly, where are we going to get that courage? Where are we going to gain the courage that it takes to live faithfully for God? And again, to our young people, know that the courage is available. You've got, you've got to seek it out. All of us have to find and develop that level of courage that it takes to be a faithful servant of God. Where are you going to find it? Well, certainly you're going to find it in God's Word. Um, in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it says, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort the Scriptures might have hope. That's what we've just been referring to, right? The things written aforetime. All of those great heroes of the faith that we mentioned are Old Testament characters. Those are the kind of things that Paul was talking about. He said, the things written aforetime were for our learning. Can we learn from those great heroes uh, and develop the kind of courage that they had? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Um, you young people are commendable in so many ways. And yet you must also surely acknowledge you're still young in the faith. You need to grow spiritually. Where will you grow? Where will you find that strength and courage? Well, certainly the Word of God is the resource we put primarily there for our strength. Uh, Don't let the hectic world crowd out of your daily life the importance of Bible study. We could state this as, I think, an inviolate rule. It will always be true. Better Bible students will be stronger, more courageous Christians. Does that sound like a a truism? Have you ever known a strong Christian who was a poor Bible student, who just didn't know anything about the Bible? I would argue you have never known that. Strong Christians are good Bible students. You're going to get the courage that you need by studying God's Word. I think you also find courage in prayer. We need to employ prayer and do it regularly and more often. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, the Hebrew writer says, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may, find, we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Help in time of need. He's talking about coming before the throne of God in prayer. We've talked about this verse a lot, and I'm still so overwhelmed that the very great king of all things, the creator of the universe, invites us to come before us. An open door policy. God has an open door policy for us. Come before the throne of grace to find help in time of need. That's amazing. Use that. The apostle Paul knew that he needed the courage and strength that comes through prayer. Ephesians 6, beginning verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul said, I need you to pray for me. For what? Boldness, courage, that I will continue to preach the gospel. Paul saw that need, and we can certainly draw great courage and strength through prayer. And then let me suggest to you that right here is a huge resource for strength and courage and encouragement. Draw courage from your brethren who are getting it done. Right here in our midst, we have great examples of faithful servants of God And you can be encouraged and strengthened by knowing and associating with them. Draw courage from your brethren. 
Look at Paul again. We just recently studied this in our Bible class, Acts 28, right at the end of the book of Acts. Paul was almost to Rome. He was still a prisoner, had been a prisoner a long time, finally making the last legs of the journey that would take him to Rome to stand before Caesar. Acts 28, verse 14. We found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome. And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as Appy Form and the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and, notice, took courage. Paul took courage when Christians from Rome came out to meet him as he was on that final leg of that journey there to stand trial before Caesar. Here's the powerful, great Apostle Paul. And yet he needed and received help and encouragement, took courage from other Christians. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, Exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We have a job assignment for one another. And our assignment is encourage one another, exhort one another, do it constantly, do it every day. When we will do that for one another, there's tremendous help and courage to be gained by our association with one another. You know, really, actually, even these assemblies are designed for that purpose. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It's kind of interesting. We, we usually talk about this verse 25, so important, an instruction, a command about assembling, but it's mentioned in regards to how we can consider one another to provoke into love and to good works. These comings together, these assemblies, uh, are for the purpose of exhorting one another. And so courage, it's a much needed thing. It's a necessary thing. You're not going to make it if you're not brave and courageous in service to God. All of God's faithful heroes in the Bible possess that quality. We need to possess that quality. You, you young people, many of you, uh, taking big steps to move forward to new things in life. Good for you. But above all else, no matter what else, be determined to be faithful to God. It's the most important thing. There are many important things face you right now. The most important thing, be faithful to God. Thanks for listening. We're going to sing a song of invitation. As we sing this song, we'll be asking everyone, make sure your life is right with God. If you're not a Christian yet, please obey that simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. If you're a Christian already, but you've fallen back and not faithful to your Lord, come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. Let us know how we can help while we stand and sing.